Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Hi. Welcome back to Cottage. In this episode, we discuss the three rebellions. While many understand the first rebellion, even as the only rebellion, we dive in like we did with our three realms to explore three rebellions in the opening chapters of our Bible. We hope you enjoy. Okay, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we again thank you. Good morning, Father. We thank you for the invitation to be in your house, to be in your presence, to be in your word, to be in your midst. And we do call upon that mercy. We do call upon the mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for your tender mercies. They are new every day, and we need all of them every day. And we just pray right now as we go to your word that you would Help us understand these truths that we might be changed and transformed by them. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Well, last time, I don't know how well you did with it. And obviously, these messages are online if I go too fast. So you can always go back and catch them. Um, but we talked about three realms out of Philippians chapter 2, verse 10 is an example verse that talks about the three realms of the world above our world here in the middle and the world below. Well, incidentally, um, again, I like to use the analogy of the mountains that works work real well. Uh, uh, Dr. Blomberg, Craig Blomberg is out there in Colorado and he uses this illustration all the time with his students. And of course, it resonated with me while I was doing my studies in the mountains of Nepal. And it's true. From a distance, you may see one mountain, but the closer you get, you start seeing there's more than one. And it gets really tricky because you start talking about how uh, in the Bible, for instance, Moses is at Horeb, but he's also at Sinai. Well, how is that? What is it? Because we're talking about Horeb is like the whole entire range, and Sinai is the single mountain that they're actually still looking for today. <clears throat> Different people argue. And so the closer you get, and we're talking about that whole long series before Lent as we're getting ready for Easter climbing, the closer you get to these mountains, you begin to see that there's more than one. And so we've always been taught about one single rebellion in the Bible, but actually there are multiple rebellions and there's three that hallmark uh, the opening of the Bible. And so I want you to see that. So maybe you didn't understand three realms, but there's also three rebellions. So this is going to get a little tricky and so I, I hopefully you're going to be able to understand this. You're familiar with the fall from Eden in Genesis 3. That's the rebellion that everybody talks about. 
That is the serpent creature from below. Okay? The serpent is illustrative of the creature from below who comes up. And it's the rebellion from below. And what happens? Adam and Eve are kicked out, but they're put back on mission. The whole point was, yes, God wants us to worship here, but he doesn't want to stay here. You know, I have many people always ask me, you know, it's uh, over where I used to preach. And then I went for the services for my mentor. And there's Amish communities where they have their separate private community. But do they ever get out in mission and evangelize? Because they're a closed community, in a sense. And that's not necessarily what God wanted. In the beginning, it was God and God alone. And then he did what? He went beyond himself and created everything we know. And he went out. And he desires us to go out and be in mission. A lot of people are unfamiliar with the Genesis 6 rebellion. And there's a lot of talk and debate about it. But if you were to study it out, and we can, and you were using the New Testament references to it, and using the literature written around the same time as the Bible, it's not the Bible, but it's what the people who read the Bible wrote. No different than reading something by Charles Stanley today. No different. Thinking that, wow, Charles Stanley is a guy that should know something about the Bible, having preached and taught for many years. No different than that is reading the literature that's about the same time as the Bible. And when you read that literature, you understand Genesis 6 is the fallen from above. They're beings from above. We talked about the world below. You're very familiar with, again, Satan, the serpent. We could go into detail on that. And the beings from above. These are supernatural creatures that came down here. They are sons of God. They're spiritual beings, not just angels. They are above that. Angels is a lower grade. They're archangels. They're something else along the lines of the... Uh, they're called watchers, actually. Apkalu is the language. Where they produce these hybrids, these giants, these Nephilim. Okay? And so what happens? God has to do what? This is very serious. What does the Bible teach? Okay, so think about it. The first one, Adam and Eve are in the garden, but they're supposed to go out. This is God's garden. This is what I show you as the prototype. Now go out into the rest of the earth and make it like Eden. Produce life from the dead, from the ground. You came from the ground. I breathe life into you. Now you go into the ground and let life come up out of the ground. And when... They fell, that rebellion, what happened? They got kicked out of the garden to do the same thing, but now they can't go in the garden. They have to produce everything on their own by the sweat of their brow. Okay? So they no longer have that connection to God that we're all familiar with. That's why I'm not spending so much time on Genesis 3. But the Genesis 6, what happens? When this rebellion, beings from above, the world above came down into the human women and produced giants and they also according to other literature and is supported by what's said in the new testament they brought knowledge with them they brought knowledge they taught women how to be seductive and they taught men how to make war 
So they basically taught women how to make love and they taught men how to make war as weapons. They weaponized love. They weaponized, taught them how to make weapons, how that's how the ancients understood them. And it was this knowledge that filled the whole earth with all this killing and all these terrible things that men and women do. What was the result? We had to revert back to Genesis 1-2. At the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was tohu wabohu in the Hebrew, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and it was all water. And then God separates the waters. We showed you that in the three realms. We showed you the separation. He separates the water, and out of that comes the land, earth, that was hidden. I like how the Greek does it. The Greek Genesis says it was unseen. The word uses unseen. It was there, but it was below the water, and it came up out of the water. And we do that in Christian baptism. We're baptized in the water to represent our death, and we come up out of the water as new life. Okay? So what is the result? God returns the earth to that same state because he has to recreate. Incidentally, the ark is three compartments. We can get into that. The ark is three compartments. It's like a mini cosmos. It's just three realms. It has three compartments, just like we have the three realms. And God is saving all three aspects. And then he's recreating the rest by covering it again with water, new creation, to revert back to restart. Just like sometimes we have trouble, right, with the internet. What do I tell you to do? Restart your phone. Or I reboot the internet. You restart it, and it works. Sometimes God has to restart, and it cleans out all that stuff that was, that was there. It has to be restarted. So it's almost like God's rebooting the universe. So he deals with those beings. They're locked up forever, never to get out. They're locked up. He deals with those beings. We don't deal with those beings anymore. But that's the rebellion from above. So we talked about the realm of the world below and the world above. We can get into this more deeply. I'm just trying to lay a basic foundation for you. Because most of the time, we only know of the first rebellion. The third rebellion is Genesis 10 and 11, the Tower of Babel. There's a rebellion there? Yes, the Tower of Babel. Humankind here in earth, middle earth rebel. We have rebellion from below, we have rebellion from above, and we have rebellion here in what Tolkien called Middle Earth. Middle Earth. We're in the middle. I often use it in my teachings. At the job I have, I call it a sandwich. <laughs> they like sandwiches because you have the three and the thing in the middle. We are the middle. We're, you're in the middle before you did not exist. Then, now you are. Was, is, and is to come. Before, now you exist. And then you will die and you will transform in what you will be. It's three. Three dimensions. Think about it. Right now, you're where? You're in Middle Earth because you're in the middle. You're in the middle. And when you die, what do they do? They put your body in the ground. So you have the rebellion there. Humankind, those beings here in Middle Earth, try to defy the barrier, the bow, 
that firmament, the heavens above. What do they do? They build their stairway to heaven and they're commanding God, you will come down. Now, sometimes it's very difficult to understand prayers. Sometimes difficult to understand my prayers. Am I praying what I need to pray? Because sometimes I just need to get honest with God, right? <laughs> just tell God how it is. He already knows, but I need to express it. But sometimes prayer can be conceived almost that I am barking orders at God. Now, God, I need this. Heal this one. Give that one a job. Do this and do that and do that. Amen. It's like a grocery list. A grocery list. Hey, you're going to the market? Can you pick me up some milk? Why are there some eggs and some cheese? Oh, by the way, you're still on the checkout? Hey, can you grab? I forgot the lettuce. And that's how our prayer life is. We begin to command God. We have to be careful of that. That we can order God as if we tell God what to do. Rather than participating in what God's already, his plan is. Prayer is more for us to find the will of God and to participate in what God wants to happen rather than us telling God to go do something. I I get a little bit alarmed when people start saying, I give you permission to do this, God, and I give you permission to do that, as if, you know, then why aren't we, we should be giving God permission already. We should be surrendered to God already. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's, again, I'm not sure about how that goes out. I have to, I'm still exploring that theologically myself. Where did they, you know, do that in the Bible? They remind God of the Bible, what he did in the past. And they ask God, hey, you did this in the past. Why don't you do it again? So in Genesis 1, God created everything. In Genesis 6, God resets so that in Genesis 9, he starts all over with Noah and he does it again. What happens here? They are building a stairway to heaven saying they're going to break through and they're going to make a way not so they can go to heaven. They're, they're not even wanting to go to heaven. Why do they build this tower? It's a stairway. Why do they build this tower? Because they want God to come down in the temple they have made. They want to control God. Just like I'm using this phone to control that TV. So you can see this presentation. They want the remote to control God. Now God, come down and do this and do that. And while you're at it, do this and do that for me. And do this and do that. And in the ancient world, you were not allowed to build the temple. You were not allowed to make an idol. You're not allowed to do anything unless the God commanded. As a matter of fact, Nathan thought David could do it. And then God said, hey, Nate, slow down. David is not going to build that temple. His son Solomon will. You are not allowed to tell God what to do. We are trying to seek what now. Now again, David had foresight. The Bible describes him as a prophet in a sense. He had foresight to know that, hey, this is what needs to happen. But he just got ahead of his time. God says, you're not the one to build the temple. But he knew that it needed to be done. He had foresight. They're building this stairway so that God will come down and attached to the stairway is going to be a temple that they want God to come down inside their box and they want to control God. 
and say, okay, we're going to build you a house. We're not allowed to do things for God. We need to seek God's will and permission and then get behind what He wants done. So they're defying heaven, not so they can go up, but so they can call God like you call the dog. Here, boy. Come here. It's a rebellion. It's pride. And we know what happens. Genesis 1, 2. And the earth was without form and void, is what the King James does here. Tohu wavohu. And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The deep, that we, we talked about that. The below. Okay? The below. And they, they thought of a creature called the, the Leviathan. It's interesting that this, I had this planned, I don't know from when, because I went out east. I had this presentation planned from when. I made it, and then I picked up my mom's cousin. He needed a ride. Picked him up and, and took him home, and he talked about Leviathan. He wanted to know about Leviathan. I don't know where he got it from, but he wanted to talk about Leviathan. How did he know that I was going to be talking about that this morning a little bit? We talked about that, that river Latani. Here it is in Genesis 1, verses 1, verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. We're in Genesis 1, verses 20 and 21. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. There, the birds fly in heaven. There's your first heaven. Your first heaven is where the birds fly. Your second heaven is where the stars are, outer space. And your third heaven is beyond any Hubble telescope. That's where God is. And I taught you that was where Paul is at. But here we go. We got the birds flying in heaven. Okay? And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Now you can't quite make it out here again because the translators of the King James weren't tracking on this as much as we are today. Okay? Here it is in the Hebrew, uh, the Jews, how they, the Jewish people translate this. If, when the Jews decided to translate the Hebrew into English, they called their uh, book the Tanakh because it's Torah, the first five books of Moses, and then, then the prophets, Nevi'im, and then the writings, okay, the Ketuvim. So they have three parts of their Bible. They have the books of Moses called Torah. Scholars call that today Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. The prophets, which span all the way from Joshua all the way through, which is in Hebrew starts with an N, T-N, and then the K. Ketuvim is the writings. The writings that come later. Okay, the, the, the wisdom literature. This is how they translate it in their their Bible. God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, birds that fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. God created great sea monsters. The King James, what did it have here? And God created great whales. Sea monsters. And all living creatures of every kind that creep, which the water brought forth in swarms, and all the winged birds of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Okay, the King James translators didn't know what to do with that Hebrew word. I'm not sure their, their ability with Hebrew. 
They didn't understand it. But when the Jews translate this into English for us, they got sea monsters. We showed you this. So again, there it is. There's the world above, God in the third heaven, the heaven of heavens. You have the waters, you have the sky, you have, of course, the stars and everything else there, the birds up there. Okay. You have the earth. You have the great deep down below. And that's where these sea monsters were that represented chaos. And that's where we have Sheol, the place of the dead. And that's where the serpent ends up in Genesis 3 when he's judged. He is sent below. He was one of God's chief servants. But then when God created Adam and Eve, according to the Jewish literature, he got jealous and says, I am not going to serve that. That's dirt with your breath in it. I'm not serving that. I serve God. Uh, well, listen, I'll take over. I'll go down there and I'll mess them up first. Because God was doing something. God had created our world, our realm, the Middle Earth, and gave these people rule over it. And his chief servant was like, I ain't having anything to do with that. No, no, no. You don't give them that. You give it to me. His judgment in Genesis 3 is to be over the underworld. The underworld. So, that's the three rebellions, briefly, juxtaposed against the three realms. The point being not just that the first rebellion that we always talk about, but that all of creation has rebelled. Okay? And that's what we're talking about. Anyway, we're out of time today, so this is just a review. Maybe I've perked up some questions for you. But anyway, there you go. Hallelujah. God bless you. Hope you enjoyed it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that Genesis chapter 1 through 11 is a story about how everything, all three realms have rebelled against you entirely. And yet your grace still is in place for us. We're not alone in this universe. There are other beings. They have rebelled. We have rebelled. We can choose to continue rebellion with them or we can choose to repent and be with you. Obviously, you desire that we repent. I pray that we will choose to be with you in all that we do going forward. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at DKIN. Dot cc that's d k e n dot cc we look forward to seeing you next time god bless you